Let's jump right into Ephesians chapter 6, verse 13. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then, with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, so here we are. Finally, right? Finally, not at the end. I'm not saying finally because we're at the end. I'm saying finally because this week we get a weapon, all right? And weapons are cool, all right? Everything up until this point has been something that we've put on or, you know, it's been protection for us. But today... We get a weapon. And what is that weapon? It's a sword. And the very first point that I want to make this morning in regards to this sermon is that swords are cool. All right? Swords are cool. That is why little kids, boys and girls alike, as soon as they can, they pick up sticks and what do they do? They start sword fighting. Why? Because swords are cool. All right? Whether it's pirates, you know, we look in movies and when we see these characters, pirates have swords. Even last week, we, we talked about the movie Gladiator, you know, and it's got sword fighting in it. Lord of the Rings, swords. Princess Bride, the greatest movie of all time, has one of the best sword fighting scenes ever. And you know, and that, just a little fun fact, that's like a real, they're using real terminology in that. I know y'all don't care about it, but I think it's cool, so I'm going to mention it anyway. Swords are awesome, right? There's just something about them that, that is cool. You know, you got them on your hip, you shing, you know, it makes that sound. It's just awesome. It's why they're still in movies today. They're not obsolete. If they were, then we wouldn't see them anymore. But they're very present still in culture. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention the coolest sword of all time. And it is the lightsaber. Amen? Yes. The lightsaber. Wow. The Lord has spoken. And he agrees. I mean, the lightsaber is awesome, right? And it's George Lucas is so smart. It just goes to show you how smart he really is. He said, if the Jedi are going to be the coolest, baddest dudes in the entire universe, then I have to give them the coolest weapon. Think about all the futuristic stuff in all of Star Wars. And he gives them basically a modern day sword to fight with. Think about that. That just tells you how cool a sword really is. That a lightsaber is the, is the, oh, lightsaber, all right, is the weapon of choice for the Jedi. And the thing about the Jedi and his or her weapon is that they are synonymous with one another. Like if you ever watch the Star Wars movies and they find a lightsaber that is unaccompanied, the first thing they do is they pick it up and say, lightsaber, a, a weapon of the Jedi. You know, it's like they, they associate the two because they're, they're the same thing, right? You can't have one without the other. If you're going to be a Jedi, you better have yourself a lightsaber because if you don't, you ain't much of a Jedi. That is their weapon of choice. And what Paul is writing to us is our weapon of choice as children of God, as believers in Jesus, is a sword. And what is that sword? We don't have to do a deep Greek 
you know, theological study on what Paul is trying to tell us in Ephesians 6 about what our sword is. He says it very plainly, very bluntly. He says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Here is our sword. This is our lightsaber. And it should be synonymous with us. It should be something that goes hand in hand with us. Where you see James, you know the word of God. Where you see you, you know the word of God. And it is on our hip at all times. Here's, here's the funny thing about Jedi. When they go into a battle or any situation, when trouble arrives, what is the first thing they do? They pull out their lightsaber. Even when they don't see the enemy, when they sense it, right? Because Jedi can sense it. Go back, challenge me on this. Before they even know exactly what's going on, when they sense something is amiss, vroom, out comes their weapon. And the same should be true for us. We have been given a weapon. This isn't just about protecting ourselves and having you know, our shield and our breastplate and our helmet and all that so, so the enemy can just you know, beat us up a little bit and, we, and we, when we walk away unscathed. We have a weapon to fight against the enemy. We can take the attack to the enemy, but it does not do us any good if it stays on our hip in its sheath, unused. We gotta use it. We gotta use the weapon that has been given to us. And I wanna just consider the wording that Paul uses here. He says, the sword of the spirit. I wanna, I wanna just talk about that for a second. The Holy Spirit, the spirit of God, has a weapon, and it is the Word of God. Think about how powerful the Holy Spirit is. It's so powerful that we really don't even, we, we know a fraction of it. We taste it on Sunday mornings in worship, when we, when we pray to the Lord, when we speak in tongues, all those things. We, we, we get a taste of the power of the Spirit, but we really, look, we're, we're just getting a little bit. The Spirit of God is powerful, and His weapon, His only weapon, is the word of God. You notice that Paul doesn't say, take up this weapon or one of the weapons. He says, the weapon. That's it. It's, it's it. It's the word of God. Not and this also and that other thing and this one and the other. There's not this tool shed of weapons that we can choose from. There's one. Why? Because it's all we need. The word of God is all we need. Let's not overthink it, church which we are guilty of doing all the time. We like to overcomplicate things. But Paul gives us singular, one weapon to combat the enemy, and it's the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Jesus, for this time, Lord. God, I pray that you would continue to be with us as you are in worship. God, be with us now. And I pray, Lord, that you would challenge us this morning. Open our eyes, God. Open our hearts to what you want to say to us right now, Jesus. We give you this time fully. God, we give it to you fully. And we ask, as we, as we speak about your word, that you would speak right now to each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, what then does the Bible say about itself? All right, if we're going to discuss the word of God, we need to go to the word of God to learn about the word of God. Okay, and so what does the Bible say about itself? And I want to look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. It says, For the word of God 
is alive and active. Sharper than any double-edged sword, it penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Okay, so the Word of God. The Word of God, it says, what I want to focus on this morning more than anything else is that it is alive and it is active. So let's just take the Word of God right here. Okay, here it is. I want to just picture for a second that the Word of God has a heartbeat. And it's going thum thum, thum thum, thum thum, thum thum. Whether it's in our bedside table, in a bookshelf in our house, on the coffee table, wherever it might be, possibly collecting dust, it is still sitting wherever we might have it in our house, going thum thum, thum thum, thum thum, waiting to be opened, waiting to be used, waiting to be taken out of its sheath, saying, I am a weapon and I am alive, and I am active in your life. Listen, it's not the job of a preacher to make the Bible come alive. It is alive. It is. Don't come to church and go, wow, James really, no, no. It is alive. It's why when we come to church, you know, hopefully more often than not, you're going to say, man, that was really for me today. The word really spoke to me. Well, why? Because it's alive and it's active in your life. And it is all we need to combat the enemy. But we have to open it up. And think about what does a heart do? A heart pumps blood throughout the body into all the vital organs in our body so that we function. And so if the Bible is alive and it has a heartbeat, it is pumping life into us into all the vital places that we need it the most. So where in your life do you need God the most? It's found in the word. Think about it for a second. What are you walking through? You're saying, God, I need you. What do I do? Right here. It's in the word of God. And he wants to speak to you about that very thing. About that very thing. And he can Because his word is alive and it is active. It is still, it's still in our midst, moving. And it will today and it will tomorrow until Jesus comes back. The word of God is alive. It is alive. So when we sit down and we read, and you might be saying, James, I get all that. That's great that it says that. But when I sit down, I read it and it don't feel alive. Read it again. I want to challenge you this morning on a couple things. The first one is when you sit down to read your word, the word, pray first. Ask God to speak to you in that moment. Because a lot of times we don't give it the time it deserves. We open it, okay, I have 10 minutes. Here's my coffee. It's starting to get cold. Here's my chapter. Great. Got nothing out of it going on with my day. All right? That's not the respect that the word of God deserves. Sit. Give it time. Say, Lord, your word says, that, that the word is alive and active. So be alive to me today. Help me understand what you want to say to me today through your word. And I'm telling you, he'll speak to you. Charles Spurgeon said, there is not a superfluous verse in the Bible, nor a chapter which is useless. Not one single verse is useless in the Bible. All of it, every single bit of it has life and will speak to you. Every single day.
You know, we don't read the word to gain intellectual facts. You know, we're not studying the word so that we can go on Bible jeopardy and answer all the questions that might be asked us. Those things are cool and they're good, you know, to know the stories and all those things. But that's not why, that shouldn't be our motivation to read the word. We read the word so that, with the heart that, it will read us. We read the Bible so that the Bible will read us. Not because it's an encyclopedia, and because we get to heaven by knowing all the 12 tribes of Israel and, and all the disciples' names, which I can't name, by the way. That's what we have Google for, all right? It's so that the Bible can read us and that we can grow in the Lord and we can sharpen our sword our, because it is, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. So when we get in it, we need to understand the motivation behind it. It's not to check it off the list. It's not to become a Bible scholar. It's so that God can speak to us and he can read us and what, what's going on in our lives. And we can use that weapon. I'm going to read a couple things that the Bible does for us. And the first one, there's four things I'm going to go over. The first thing is it heals. Matthew 8, uh, starting in verse 5, says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. Just say the word. Jesus is the word of God. It says that in John. So when he speaks, he's speaking the word of God. And the centurion knew that all Jesus had to do was speak the word. And his servant would be healed. Well, that happened then, but what about now? Well, if the Bible is alive and it is active, then what we see Jesus do in Matthew, he can do today. He can speak the word. And here's the amazing thing. We can speak the word because it's written on these pages for us to speak. And we speak the word of healing and it heals. We stand on the things that Jesus said and we believe that the word is alive and it is active in the very moments that we're living in. And we can say, no, the word says be healed. It heals us. It heals us physically. It heals us spiritually, emotionally. The word heals us because Jesus is the word. And so he heals us. Second thing it does, it keeps us from sinning. Psalms 119, verse, starting in verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. We all have things that we trip up on. Paul himself. We all have things that we keep tripping over and over again on. Sin in our life that we just can't seem to figure out how to stop. How do we do it? By trying harder and harder every day? Sure. But what we read here, the psalmist says, he keeps the word in his heart so that he might not sin against God. It's the word. Because the word brings truth into our heart, into our mind. In sin, all that is, is, is lies. Sins are lies that try to convince us that if we do this, we will be satisfied. And it never, ever works out. We end up with regret, with shame, with guilt. When we get filled with the word, we are getting filled with the truth. And so when we hear the lies, we're not tempted anymore because we know the truth. 
But if we're not in the word and we don't know the truth, then we believe the lie because we think it might be truth and we don't recognize it as a lie. So you want to know how to combat the sin in your life? Get in the word. Get in the word. All right, third thing. It gives us direction. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Y'all ready? Thy word is a lamp to my feet and a light. Like, sorry, I have to see you. When you read that verse and Amy Grant doesn't come to your mind like, come on now. That's old school stuff right there. That's like an anthem back in the day. I remember Cindy had a poster of Amy Grant in our music room back in like when I was in fourth or fifth grade. And thy word is a lamp unto my feet. But it's true. You want direction in your life? You want to know what you're supposed to do in a situation? Where you're supposed to go? Should I take this job? Should I date this person? Should I do this or that? It's the word that is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Your path, the path that you're supposed to go. Look, we all have questions with what we're supposed to do in our lives. What direction do I go, Lord? Everything, I'm kind of confused. This way looks good, that way looks good. This has pros, this has pros, this has cons, that way has cons. What do I do? Meanwhile, the word of God is collecting dust on our shelf. We keep asking and asking and guessing and guessing. It's the word that will answer those questions. How? I don't know. God just speaks to us. And he will reveal in your heart what you are supposed to do if you get in the word. Last thing that it does. Well, of the ones that I'm going to talk about, it does a million. But for this morning, the last thing is it shuts the enemy up. It shuts the enemy up. If you read Matthew chapter 4, Jesus is in the wilderness and Satan tempts him three times. He says, hey, you turn that stone into bread because you're hungry. He says, jump off that cliff and the angels will catch you. He says, bow down to me in the Mufasa moment. All that the light touches will be yours. In every single temptation, Jesus says what? It is written. He combats the enemy with scripture and he shuts the enemy up. In every temptation, Jesus has a verse to match it. And you know what's funny is, is though the enemy comes back, he comes back with a different temptation. Like he doesn't keep challenging Jesus to turn the stone into bread over and over and over. Jesus puts it into it with a verse, with truth, and Satan has to move on. Well, let me try something else now. Well, that didn't work. Let me try something. Finally, he's like, Jesus is like, get out of here. I know the word. It ain't gonna work on me. Go. And the enemy leaves. Because the word shuts the enemy up. And I don't know about you, but I need the enemy to shut up in my life. How does it happen? It's the word. I would love to say that there is this simple solution that if we just snap our fingers, it'll all just go away. But that's not how we grow. That's not what God intended. God wants us to get to know him in a real and intimate way. That's why he has us get in the word because that's where we get to know him. And it's also where he gets to know us. So that's what we have to do. And I, I wanna, again, here's another challenge for you this morning. Because it's not enough to leave here and say, you know, I really wanna read the word more. I hear what James is saying. And I, wanna, I wanna do that. That's great, but that's not enough to want to do it. I want to be six inches taller. 
it ain't going to happen, right? If you want to read the word, you have to make a plan. It's like if you want to lose weight, you better make a plan. You better have an idea of what your diet's going to be like that, that week. Write it all out and you meal prep, all right? Two words that I hate in my house. And meal prep, that means we're eating healthy for the week. Dang it. And it happens all the time. But you have to have a plan. And so I want you, if you're listening to this this morning, you're like, man, I need to. That's, he's right. I got to get in the word more. Make a plan. I challenge you this week, Monday through Friday, get up. You ready? 20 minutes earlier than you normally do. <laughs> 20 minutes it won't kill you, I promise. Look, if I can preach up here this morning with as much energy as I have after sleep training our four-month-old the last two nights, y'all can get up 20 minutes early, okay? <laughs> our nights are like straight warfare in this place. We got a, we got a strong-willed little girl who's super cute. That's why she gets away, away with it. But 20 minutes, set aside. Set your alarm on your phone or wherever you do it 20 minutes early. Set your coffee pot at night if you, if you have one of those or whatever you got to do. And just sit down and say, all right, God, here I am. Here I am. And I promise you, if you do that, 20 minutes is going to turn into 30 minutes. And before you know it, you're going to be waking up a full hour earlier than you normally do to get in the Word because it is alive and it is active and it's got that heartbeat, thum, 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 thum. And it's calling you to Him. That's the Lord calling you saying, I want to know you, and I want you to know me. So let's spend some time together. And it's funny, as I mentioned my, our four-month-old little girl, uh, Ellie is her name, and she's in the stage right now where we call it mommy aware, all right? And what that means is, is she knows who mommy is, and more importantly, she knows who mommy is not. And you know who mommy is not? Me, all right? I'm not mommy. As much as I try, when she gets fussy and it's that, that time before nap or bedtime, and it's like, you know, you just go to sleep. I'm standing there, I'm trying to be a good dad and help Jesse out, give her a break, and I'm holding her and bouncing her, and, she, you know, she, I'm just the best dad ever. Oh. And she's just fussing. And, and I, no matter what I do, I can't be Jesse in that moment. I'm not mommy. And without fail, as soon as I hand her off to Jesse, that's what happens. Jesse takes her, and it's like slow motion. She looks at me, dead in the eye, and just slowly puts her head on Jesse's shoulder. <laughs> and all the fussiness is gone in that moment. And she's looking at me going, you ain't mommy, and you never will be. She knows and there's only one mommy and there's only one person that can calm her down in that moment. How did she get there? Because she spends every waking moment with Jesse and even some non-waking moments. And over the last four months, she has, she has grown to know exactly who mommy is. And so even at four months old, so her brain is still developing and all this stuff is happening. With all that's going on, all that's brand new to her, she knows who mommy is. Why? Because she spent the time with her. 
And if we want to know who Jesus is in our lives, we have to put the time in. We have to get in the Word. We have to learn about Him and know the truths about Him and spend time with Him over and over again. And I'm telling you, what might seem like a religious experience at first where you're just doing it out of habit will begin to be relational. But you have to start somewhere. You have to start somewhere. But I guarantee you, as you do, you're going to be put in situations where you don't feel comfortable. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to be Jesus aware. You're going to say, I know Jesus and this ain't it. To the point where you're not going to have to even quote scripture. Maybe you will, and that's awesome if you do. But you're going to know Jesus so intimately that you're going to be able to say, I don't know what this is, but I know it ain't Jesus. And it's not going to bring me comfort as much as it tries. And you're going to wait on Jesus because you're Jesus aware, because you spent time in the word. Okay. I think it's interesting, you know, I want to go back to Hebrews 4, 12. Um, and really consider, as the writer of Hebrews is writing this verse, I went back and I read chapter 4. So why did the writer suddenly talk about the Bible in this way? As this sword, or as this thing that's sharper than a two-edged sword. Like, it's, it's a bold statement on the word. I love it. It's alive and it's active and it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's, it's awesome verbiage there. Well, why? What was leading to this verse in Hebrews 4.12? So I went back and I started it in verse 1 of that chapter. And you know what the whole context of chapter 4 is in Hebrews? It's not fighting a battle. It's not demonic warfare. You know what it is? It's rest. The writer of Hebrew is talking about rest, which leads him into talking about the word of God. So I want to talk about that for a second, especially in regards to fighting the battle and putting on our armor, because you know what? We can wear all the stuff, but if we're done, if our goose is cooked and we're tired, we ain't going to be able to fight. We have to be rested. You don't need to raise your hand this morning, but just ask you, anyone in here in need of some rest? I am. I really am. <laughs> I need some rest. And I'm not just talking about in the physical. I mean with Jesus and the spiritual and all of it. The whole thing. Here's what it says. In the beginning of Hebrews chapter 4, starting in verse 1, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. For we also have had the good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now we who have believed enter that rest. Now here's the important thing about that. If we go back to Ephesians chapter 6, and it's talking about the sword of the Spirit, it says this word, take. Take the sword of the Spirit. Take it. It's not that we have to take it. We have to believe in it. We have to Grab the word and we have to open it and we have to read it. And then you know what we have to do? We have to believe it for ourselves. We have to have faith in that what it says is true. And what I love about this verse, it says something very specific. 
It says, going back to verse 1, it says, entering his rest. We're not talking about rest for ourselves. We're talking about entering into God's rest. Let me tell you something. I imagine that God's rest is complete rest, where we're not thinking about tomorrow. We're not still anxious a little bit and just having trouble falling asleep, taking a nap, whatever it might be, because all the thoughts going in our head. We're not worried about what's for dinner later that night. It is complete and total rest. When God rests, I think his feet are up, the TV's on, and the Jags are always winning. All right? That is real rest. That is supernatural rest. That's God's rest. And it is found in the word. And what we need to be careful of is to not be like those people. Listen, there's a warning in here. It says, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. This word that we have been so incredibly blessed to have. Listen, there's countries in this world where people die to get their hands on this. Literally smuggled across country lines to try and just get a glimpse of the word of God. Here in America, I got my name embroidered on it. I'm not scared of having this. My name's right there. We can go online and order and we can pick out what color, what size, what translation, what commentary. It's a gift. It is a gift. Are we letting it being lost on us? Because we're not in it. Let's not be like those people that heard the message and it was of no value to them. Look, it's great to have in your house, but it's of no value if you don't open it. The Israelites, there were people that heard the message and those that didn't. The same message, the same exact one. And those that didn't believe it, the Bible says it was of no value to them. Man, let's not be like that. This is a rich and awesome book. And I'll be honest with you, I, 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 there's, there's, there's some men and women in here, in this room, that blow me out of the water when it comes to knowing about the word. I'm just skimming the surface. I'm just like, I almost feel embarrassed to talk about my understanding of it. But as I hunger for it more, the Lord is faithful to reveal things to me. And he will do the exact same for you. I'm not special in any way, shape, or form. The Lord will reveal things to you and it will come alive. And suddenly you're going to start having conversations with your friends and your spouse about, what do you think this means? Ah, and it's awesome. It's awesome. Some of the best conversations I had with my dad are about scripture. And he knows it. And so I try and learn as much as I can from him. And it's just fun. It's fun to talk about those things and say, I don't know. I don't know what he's saying. That's weird. There's some, listen, there's some weird stuff in scripture. It's fun to kind of discover those things. Like what is going on here? I love it. And you'll grow to love it too. Jason touched on this a couple weeks ago, talking about the shield of faith. And I want to read it again. Romans 10, 16. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word. How does our faith grow? Through the word. Through the word, our faith grows. But we got to get in it. We got to get in it. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Oh, 
All right, I'm going to close with this. Have the band come back up. Revelations chapter 19. Some of my favorite verses in all the Bible. It's just every time I read it, I get fired up because it's just cool, cool imagery here. And it paints Jesus in this totally different light. Starting in verse 11. It says, Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, come on, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his, on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. So here we see Jesus, who is called the word of God. We see out of his mouth is a sword. You know why there's a sword coming out of his mouth? Because all he speaks is truth. All he speaks is justice. All he speaks is righteousness, in victory, in hope, in love, in grace, in forgiveness. All the things that are found in this word. Jesus is the word of God. The Bible says so right here. And if you want to get to know him more, it takes more than being in here on Sunday mornings. It takes more than listening to other pastors on YouTube. It takes you yourself getting in the word of God and letting God tell you things that are completely between you and him. It's alive, it's alive and it has a heartbeat and it's just begging us to pull it off the shelf, to blow off the dust and get in it, get in it. And I wanna, I wanna challenge y'all and, and please don't mistake what I'm saying here. We have, we have a world right now, it's very convenient to get in the word of God. It's on the internet, it's on our phones, it's all over the place, but, and, and, and listen, I use those things all the time. Jason brought up a good point, um, I think when he, when he preached last, and also at Salt um, on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. in here, plug. Um, you know, he tells his students, when you're, when you're reading or, or there's a sermon going on, to screenshot the Bible verse. So when you're going through your phone, you can, you can see those. And it's, it's awesome. That's one of the great things about having the Bible on our phone is we have things like that available to technology now. And I love it. I use it all the time. But there's something about this that's very special and very unique. That is just the word of God. Because if you put if you put a Bible on a coffee table and someone walks in your house, that says something. If you have a phone or your iPad or whatever it might be there, it says different things. But this is specific. And listen, I don't know, I don't know where the world's going. We're, we're living in a very scary time. I don't know what's ahead, but I know that whatever is ahead, if we're rooted in this, 
We got an advantage. We got all we need. And I would encourage you to get in the hard copy Bible. Just think about this for a second. What if the internet had been taken away from us these last few months? Can you get in this? Can you get in this? And there's an anointing that I can't explain that I'm not going to try to that is very special about the word of God. If you don't have a Bible, come find one of our pastors or elders. We will get you a Bible because we believe in the importance of it and having it in your house, on your bedside table, so you can open it up in a moment's notice. Actually, really quick, I wanna do this uh, just really briefly because you, you might be in a place where you're like, I don't know where in the world to start. It's big and it's confusing and I don't get it. I want, can we just have um, Pastor Edie, Pastor Tina, um, any, on all, any of the elders that are here to just stand up real quickly. Just stand up where you're at so we can see who you are. All the elders, Pastor Edie and Tina are in the back. Find us, find us after the service. If you don't know where to start and we will help you, we will point you, uh, Jason, our, our student ministry director as well. We will help you. Thanks, y'all can sit down. Because I get it, it's intimidating. We'll help you start, but don't let that be an excuse because there's good things in there that God wants to speak to you about. But you gotta open it up. And especially for those, especially for those that don't know Jesus, man, this is where you get to know him. This is where you find him. And he will speak to you. Say, well, I don't even, I haven't even accepted him as my savior. <laughs> awesome, all the more reason. And as we stand up, let's go ahead and do that. We're gonna enter back into worship. And I wanna give those this morning that I want to start that relationship with Jesus, just that opportunity. The Bible says, Jesus, as the word of God says, if you believe in your heart and profess with your mouth, you'll be saved. That's all it takes. So in this moment, Let's believe in the word. Let's believe in Jesus and what he says about himself. And where you're at, you can just bow your head and say, Lord, I believe. I believe that you love me. And that's it. And he will come into your heart. And as you open the Bible, he'll start saying things to you that you didn't dream possible. Father, thank you so much for your word. God, for what you've given us, this gift of who you are on pages for us to read every day. And God, when we read a verse, it means something. And we read it the, the same verse the next day, it reads, means something more because it's alive, because you're alive, because you're active in our lives. God, thank you for this weapon that you've given us that gives us rest. God, that gives us rest to fight, that gives us rest to stand, that gives us rest in turmoil, that gives us rest against the enemy, that gives us an answer to the enemy, that heals us, that protects us, that gives us direction, that gives us instruction, that tells us that we're forgiven and that we're loved. And there's nothing that we could ever do that would separate us from your love for us. Thank you, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, for every person in here those that get in the word every day and those that are gonna start for maybe the first time or the first time in a long time, today and tomorrow, God, that you would prove yourself true, that when they open the word, it is going to jump off the page into their mind and be planted in their hearts, God. 
Speak to all of us, God, individually, what you would have to say to us in this season of life that we are in, in this world that we are in, God. Let the voice that we hear be the true voice of our living God. Thank you, Jesus. Teach us to be Jesus aware. Thank you, Father. We love you. We love you, God. You are awesome, Lord. And we exalt you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. We worship you, God. You are alive, Father. You are not a dead God. And you have given us yourself on pages. And we thank you for that, Father. And we are not gonna let the message of Jesus be lost on us. We are gonna listen, Father. We're gonna say, as you say, he who has ears, let him hear. Well, Father, we have ears and we're listening, God. We're listening, Lord. Instruct us, Father, on what you would have said to us. What are we to do? You are king. And we're listening, Father. We're listening, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yes, Lord, we worship you, God. You are a righteous and true God. You are King of kings and you are Lord of lords. Hallelujah.